welcome to the Restart Podcast. I'm Dave Pickering and I make podcasts and I spend most of my life online, but I've got no idea how to fix anything. But I've been invited to a party. It's called a Restart Party. And this party might just help me to understand the technology that I use every day and all the time. But what is a Restart Party? A Restart Party is a pop-up community repair event where skilled volunteers help people diagnose and repair their broken electronics. They are organised by the Restart Project, who are a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. Each repair poses its own challenges, not just technical ones, but other challenges involving the way we think about electronics and the way that we think about society in general. Speaking of which, let's start today's show with an example. So here we are at the Restart Project's third birthday party, which is why it's such a lively one today. I'm standing in front of a Guess the Shadow Impact game. What is that? It's not quite a coconut shy. I feel like saying, roll up, roll up. But it's very on topic for Restart Project. So basically, the game is you have to guess how many kilograms of CO2 were involved in the manufacture of three things. The first is a netbook. The second is some computer speakers and the third is an iPhone 4S. On the table here we've also got a little reference list of some other carbon footprints just to give people a little idea of what's right. going on. Okay, so 0.33 kilograms is one pint of beer. Which so. is surprisingly high, I must say. Yeah. I racked up quite a few uh, carbon footprints on the old beer intake. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to focus on is this issue of the manufacturer. So a lot of energy and resources go into the manufacturer of things and they're hidden from us they happen elsewhere and that's what we call it the shadow impact so that was Janet and Lara at a special restart party a literal party as well as a metaphorical party that happened upstairs at the Grafton pub in Camden in today's episode you're going to hear lots of voices both from that party and from outside of that party exploring the idea of the shadow impact behind electronics. I'm talking about the fixometer that the Restart Project are putting together in order to try and measure those shadow impacts. So I'm with Janet from Restart and what is this fixometer that I keep hearing about? It's a project that came out of a lot of interest in the environmental impact of our project. We have done a little bit of communication on the environmental impact of our gadgets in manufacture. We hadn't done a whole lot to convey the impact of our community repair, of the fixing that happens. And we had people, hosts and other organizations that call us in, ask us, hey, what is the carbon emissions savings that you achieve by repairing and we got together for a, a small it was almost like a hackathon event at the VNA where we invited some friends to think about what would a tool a project look like that would that would model environmental benefits of repair and so we had a really creative session where we thought about what it could look like in real life an actual dial or gauge or something physical because of course we, we love stuff we love gadgets but we also realized that more practically speaking we needed to build an online tool where people who host restart parties and 
and eventually volunteers themselves could log the devices that they've repaired and the status of devices and get back a really interesting report about the uh, environmental benefit of that. So looking at how many carbon emissions have been avoided by repairing and using things for longer. We were a little bit naive about what this project involved. So we called some friends and got some people who are experts on this involved. And we were able to get funding from RAP, which is a UK charity dedicated to waste prevention. With that funding, we started working with some developers and these experts, and we're creating essentially an online tool that's a database with an interface for, for users. And the interface is for our restart party hosts. So we're not alone. There are other people running them in Hackney and Italy and elsewhere. And it'll allow us to get a feeling for the impact we're having both in our groups on our own, but also globally. So we'll be able to have a global view of all of the waste prevention and all of the carbon emissions prevented by restarting. So that's that's the idea. <laughs> Hi, I'm Craig Jennings. I am an environmental sustainability consultant working with mainly companies to help them reduce their carbon emissions or the full environmental impacts of making their products or constructing a building or in the case with the restart project electrical devices. So restart have brought you in on the fixometer. Yeah I only have a advisory role in the project quite a small role but it's nice to work with charity to make a change from working with some of the bigger corporations. Here we are speaking on machines that are taking up CO2 in order to talk about (laughs) machines taking up CO2. (laughs) To be fair I do have renewable electricity tariffs so I'm good over here I'm guilt-free good well I'm glad that your side of the conversation's guilt-free I'm not, not so sure my side is. we have saved the travel journey to be fair that's we true. saved the travel journey say so, because I'm Bristol you're, you're you're in London the train journey would be a lot more carbon than the energy on our IT equipment and mobile phones and stuff so don't feel guilty about that <laughs> I enjoy working as an environmental consultant trying to for the benefit of the environment, but very pragmatic and practical about things in that we we still need to lead a high quality of life and travel and stuff and go around our daily activities. We just need to find more sustainable ways of doing it, really. So to give some context, I've been doing this for about 11 years now, actually. 10, 11 years ago, no one knew what a carbon footprint was. It wasn't in the paper every day. It wasn't even in every week or every month. And a few years later, probably about 2006, 7 carbon footprint got picked up in a lot more and you'd read it in the guardian and on bbc news etc and now you read a lot more about carbon footprint and certainly a lot more about climate change and global warming but the results for carbon footprinting are in unical kilograms of carbon dioxide which although it's useful for us to compare what the impact is of a, a toaster versus a kettle or a large toaster versus a small toaster. What is a kilogram of carbon? Even experts, if you like, I don't like using that word too much, professionals on carbon footprinting still struggle to really understand what is a, a kilogram of CO2, 10 kilograms of CO2, a million kilograms of CO2, because it's not a unit that we interact with and associate with. Although we know carbon dioxide is floating around in the atmosphere, in the air, We can't see it. We can't interact with it much. We don't really know what it really means. So the part of the project that we're going through on the fixometer now is to put in better perspective and help visualise what the carbon footprint results really mean. So to move away from kilograms of carbon and into more interesting comparisons, so comparing with activities that you can associate with. How many hours of TV could you watch with that same amount of carbon? How many hours does it power a light bulb or how many hamburger Big Macs, etc. We're still coming up the list of real com- actual comparisons. Can't say at the moment which ones we will we'll actually pick. And I think even some of our volunteers aren't entirely 
aware of this. They want to reduce waste, but they don't necessarily have a, like, who does have a, a notion of the dimension of waste? I mean, when uh, Friends of the Earth report recently came out that said, said 13 tons of water goes into the production of a, of a smartphone. 13 tons, I mean, I don't even know, I have no notion of what that is, but it sounds like a lot, you know? We, we know rationally that it's really wasteful to keep upgrading, but it might actually be helpful to, to put it in terms that we understand. So you guys both know the answers to this? Yes, we do. Can Trying I say a word about the answers? You've got to play. Yeah, I was thinking I should, yeah. yeah. You should play. We, so we basically put a lot of work into coming up with the answers. A team of six of us scoured the internet for about 60 person hours looking for information on the carbon footprints of products. Companies have this information, they often don't share it, so we had a huge amount of work to come up with carbon footprints for the 34 categories of devices that we fix and these are just three of them represented. So the process is to compile it all together to put it into a spreadsheet and then when it's all together we can look and see what we've got so we can see we now know the carbon footprint of 15 inch macbook laptop or a, a little netbook or a, a smart mobile phone toaster kettles etc. It gives plenty of data to work with initially it also exposed which of the gaps of the product categories that we couldn't find data for. So it left certain types of devices that we, we had to go out again and find carbon footprint data for. In carbon footprinting, you never get the information for every type of product that you're looking for. But Lara, tell us, so you're saying some of the guesses, they're way off in both directions? Or are they too inflated? Yes, I think that people just don't have the frame of reference to make guesses. So it's quite a taxing thing to ask people to do. It's been interesting. Everybody so far has ranked the computer speakers lowest. So they're recognizing that they're the least impactful. But there's been a difference of opinion in terms of the netbook and the smartphone. Some people are ranking the netbook higher and others the smartphone. To measure the environmental benefits or the carbon footprint benefit of repairing electrical devices, first need to understand the carbon footprint of making a new device. Because by repairing your old laptop, TV, toaster, kettle, whatever it is, you might not go out and buy a, a new product. So we need to collect data on the amount of carbon emissions or the carbon footprint, as it's called, to make a, a toaster or to make your, your laptop of different sizes or your MacBook or your your TV, large screen, smaller screen, etc. A whole range of different electrical devices. Normally to collect data, you just go out there and do a literature review, desk study, find reports from manufacturers, from government bodies, trade bodies, academic journal papers, etc. Right now we're focusing on carbon. <laughs> right. Just because carbon is, is a good proxy for almost every other resource. So if you look at energy usage and water usage, it's, it's the most universal proxy way of kind of representing environmental impact and also it's causing climate change. Carbon is important because of that aspect because it links us all globally so what happens in China actually does affect us. Right. In terms of the carbon footprint we're looking to measure the the full big picture impacts of producing, using and disposing of a product. We talk about a term from the cradle. The cradle is referred to as the earth, and it means taking things out of the ground. In the case of, let's say, steel, the cradle, the first activity is mining the, the ore that you're going to refine and produce steel. So all of the energy consumption to operate the equipment for mining operations and the site from the, the quarry or mine. Supply chains are very complicated, so 
Each material is a bit different, but normally materials go through some kind of purification or refinement process. They could be shipped around the world, end up in any number of factory assembly operations or further processing operations until you end up with a ready-made product that's good to go and ready to be shipped to the, the retailer or the, the customer. So what a carbon footprint does is it adds up the amount of energy consumed, so diesel and generators and transport vehicles, adds up all of the electricity and gas consumed in factories and facilities, the full amount of energy, if you like, fossil fuel energy that's been consumed to make, say, your laptop. So this is to make all the materials that go into the laptop. Then when you've got your brand new shiny laptop at home and you plug it into the wall, so that's the in-use carbon footprint, and then finally, when the, the device breaks and it, it can no longer be repaired anymore, the end of life disposal and recycling is the last part. It produces a number, which is the kilograms of carbon dioxide released into the environment from making, using and disposing of, in this case, an electrical device over its life cycle. And that number is the type of data we've used in this fixometer project. I'm just going to guess based on my insider information and my cynicism. So people rank these the lowest. Right. They disagree on where these two sit, which right. is the highest. I reckon that the iPhone is going to turn out to be something like, let's go for 820, so two, that's two flights from London to Berlin. The netbooks, I'm going to go with like, let's say 250, yeah. just over an average bicycle. Yeah. And then, yeah, computer speakers, maybe about five kilograms. So that's kind of in between one week's tubed commutes from Camden to Charing Cross and six months of two cups of tea with milk per day. <laughs> in a sense, it's a giant provocation. It's saying, okay, here's our impact as the best we can estimate it. And it's saying, what if hundreds of groups did this, thousands of groups did this? We can actually start to think about what that impact might look like at a bigger level. So it's useful to motivate ourselves and think, wow, okay, well, that's, it's good to have a reference, like what is the impact we're making compared to things that are part of our daily life. So the manufacture of that gadget was equal to, for example, the making of a hamburger. Right. Like that's an interesting, right. you know, that's an interesting, very personal comparison we can make. But at scale, if our community grew at a 30% rate, in 10 years, we would be preventing carbon emissions on the level of a small London borough or something like that. That does make it more real for us. And it kind of, it helps us think about how everything fits together right. in that environmental issues are not just saving trees or getting solar panels, things we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, they talk about this all the time with water and other things, but even the way we can consume things and how long we're willing to use them has like a huge global impact. It's really important that it's presented in meaningful terms, in terms that are that are fam familiar to us. Real, right? Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense to me. A bicycle should have far less embedded CO2 than a laptop or something like that. I'm going to guess the laptop has about 400 kilos actually, which is probably way too much, but I'm going to guess anyway. The speakers are probably only about the same as a bicycle actually. There isn't that much electronics in there. So say 150 for the speakers. Okay, now is the iPhone more or less than the netbook? I would say it's probably a bit more. So call that 450. iPhone 450. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. It's, it, it considers a lot of activities. So if I was to just ask you to guess where the main carbon footprint hotspots are in the life cycle of a product between, let's say, making the materials, transporting the materials and the, the finished product, using it, so getting it home and plugging in your, your laptop and disposal. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You've probably not thought about it. Before. Well, I'm I'm less of a novice than I was when I started making these podcasts. <laughs> Yes. Numbers are very hard for me to get my head around anyway. One of the things that I have liked about some of the fixometer stuff I've seen is is that it's putting it into terms that I do understand. Like, yes, yeah. From my understanding of things, there's a lot more carbon footprint gets created before you get the product than, than I thought. Yes, you know? absolutely. Possibly even a lot more than actual use sometimes i think depending on on what the thing is the production of products has such a high impact so all of the products that we buy in our life be it clothes textiles actually have a really high carbon footprint to make anything the electrical devices food and drinks have quite a high impact most of the focus that we have in in society at the moment is on how much energy you use to heat your home electricity for lights and electrical devices at, at home or in an office how far you travel in your car or if you take public transport or not. But actually, the, the products that we buy have a really high impact as well. We don't have data for every type of product at the moment out there. A general rule of thumb is that the less products you buy, the less impact it has or the more lifetime you can get out of the same product, the lower impact that it has. Basically, wrapped up within each item somewhere, according to the great Adam Smith, is labour plus land plus capital. This is the three things. So somewhere within land and labour, we have carbon emissions. So that is encapsulated in the price somewhere unless they're taking a hit on their product, which some people do. But I'm assuming they're not taking a hit on any of these products, and within all of them, in the cost, somewhere is wrapped up the cost of the fossil fuels needed to produce them. So we've got 150 for the netbook, 200 for the iPhone, speakers, 10 from Tim. I feel like the relationship between the three is possibly good, but the numbers could be out by a massive factor. This is, there is huge guesswork in here. Yeah, we had similar processes when I was doing my guessing, but I think I've, I've, I've guessed much more cynically than you. Um, <laughs> so hopefully you're right. <laughs> Some type of electrical devices, the main carbon footprint hotspot is the production of the materials. So I have in front of me some data for an Apple iPhone 6 and it has here the total carbon footprint to make the iPhone 6 which is 95 kilograms of CO2 which of course won't mean anything to you which is why we're going to work to put numbers into DataViz into more better perspective of different activities that you can compare that to but of the, the carbon footprint to make the iPhone 6 so all of the, the glass, all of the aluminium, all the components in there and put it together, assemble it, transport all the things around the world or the distribution chain finally to get it home and all of the energy that you use in the lifetime of using that phone, so every time you plug it in and charge it, it adds a bit more to the carbon footprint. And finally, the end-of-life disposal, or hopefully recycling. And for the iPhone 6, the in-use phase, the in-use energy, it's just 11% of the carbon footprint over the full lifetime of, of the iPhone 6. 89% is in the production of materials, the transport and the end of life, which means that because it's such a small percent, even if the iPhone 7 came out and it consumed a lot less electricity to charge the battery and in operation and the battery lasted like twice as long. What this means is for this device, repairing an old phone and getting extra lifetime out of it rather than sending it for recycling and getting a brand new shiny phone is the best environmental thing to do in this case because the in-use phase for this product is a, just 11% of the full life cycle. As technology progresses, the energy consumption of most things comes down. This result here is really interesting because it, it suggests that 
it's probably more of a product by product case, but there's many devices out there that even though the new version consumes less energy, it's still worth repairing and using for as long as you can from a carbon footprint perspective, because a really high amount of impact is produced in making the materials and assembling the product and shipping it and getting it into your hands. Now, of course, to caveat that, it won't work for all electrical devices. I'll say that anything that's primary purpose is to produce heat, like a kettle, anything that consumes a large amount of electricity in operation, it might not work for that because the in-use phase will be a lot more than the 11% we have here for the iPhone 6. Quite a lot of people only see the, the in-use phase as the carbon footprint of using the device. Actually, the most of the impact in this case is, is before you've even got it into your hands. There's no hard, fast rule here. Heavier electrical devices generally have a higher impact, but actually, when you start to make things really small, there's large amounts of energy often used to make the lighter materials and the tiny little components and things. So when you start to shrink things down a lot, I think that you can add extra carbon to make that product. This little smartphone in your hand, considering how, how light it weight is, it's, it's one of the highest carbon footprint things that I assess in my, in my role, in my profession, in my job, if you like. I work in all different types of sectors, so not just electronics. And electronics have a particularly high impact for their small mass. So yeah, that's quite surprising, quite interesting. I, I think that the main things there is the lowest CO2 emission item on your list is beer. So I think I'd, I'd, rather than guessing totally incorrectly, I might just have to drink more beer until I'm confident enough to guess the amount of carbon dioxide. Have a few beers, whether the guesses would just get escalate or, wildly. Would they get better yeah. or worse? Be like a few more zeros on the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I would assume the speakers are probably the least out of the three. Uh, I'm going to go for 250. iPhone, just because my attitude to iPhones, I'm, I'm going to put that as the baddie of the whole the whole thing anyway, just as a natural inclination. One and a half thousand, I think. It's, it's got to be more than the average bike, probably for all of them, I'd have thought. Just because, again, more more on my feeling about bikes. Right. Than, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Why? Why use reason? Net, but you let's let's be a bit wild and say a thousand. Adam, yeah. My guess is with similar logic, but I think you're more cynical than I am, <laughs> uh, which is, you know. So in this in this situation, I'm hoping I'm right. Um, <laughs> with the last person, I was hoping they were right. Yeah. For the, for the sake of the environment. The way they present sometimes the carbon emissions data, it does feel either very distant or very disempowering. A forest sequesters this much carbon. It's like, I don't really have a notion for how big a forest is right. or anything about carbon. So we really need to pay attention to that, linking individual behaviors to the global scale, but in, but in a way that always feels familiar and it's a challenge but it's a cool challenge and yeah. if we come up with really great set of pictograms or icons we'd like to share them with the world so well Ugo and I like restart headquarters we've uh, hosted uh, 82 events and over 800 gadgets have been logged and there's a lot of data there that the carbon emissions aside there's quite a lot of, of data on what gadgets people are bringing, what success rate we have, whether spare parts are an obstacle, whether people go home ready to finish a repair. And so there's, there's actually a really rich body of data that's not just carbon emission related. Right. And so that's also part of the project. I feel like the speakers maybe have the least amount. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I kind of almost feel like, oh, you know, you want to say that this one has the most amount because it's biggest, but actually it might be a sort of slightly red herring. So I think maybe the iPhone has more. So I'm going to go with that as my order. So I'll go those as the least, and then that one, and then that one. We have the carbon footprint of, say, the whole of the UK, which is all the energy that you consume, all the, the transport, the diesel, driving your car plugging in all your electrical devices, switching on light bulbs at home and all the gas, etc. But what that doesn't account for is the carbon footprint of making all the products that we buy and consume in the UK. So the electrical devices that are made, you know, in, in Asia and shipped over here, the carbon footprint to make the electrical device isn't isn't accounted for in, in the UK's carbon footprint. It'd be accounted for in China or Taiwan or Japan or wherever it's come from. So that's something that's not really measured properly on the international scale at the moment. But there's a very interesting concept called ecological footprinting. It works out the full impact of them, which means if we're importing the electrical devices from China, that footprint would be added to our own. And then you get some very interesting pictures of the real impact that, that we have on the environment in the UK. Oh, he's going straight in. I love it. Laptop. Yeah. 300 speakers 100 and the granny smith got to be 500 i would think so Done. why why did you choose this yeah, pretty much a guess really but on the basis of that a lot of gubbins in that a lot of manufacturing goes on not so much gubbins a bit more gubbins yeah. <laughs> a gubbins related a technical guess. term obviously yes <laughs> The people who have some idea of the, the global impact are the companies who are making the products, I guess. Are companies doing stuff around carbon consumption? More and more companies are doing more on carbon, but it's still not universally done. It's fair to say that through the Fixometer project, we've found plenty of data gaps. There's not that many manufacturers that just report on the carbon of, of their products. I have to say that Apple, I don't have any Apple products, but Apple are one of the few companies that do report on the carbon footprint of making all of their products. So their entire Apple range has the total greenhouse gas emissions, which is the carbon footprint to make all their products online. Although I have to say it's great that they're reporting on that and they report on the other environmental impacts that they reduce, which is fantastic because carbon is just one, one issue. But actually, looking at the numbers, they're not going down. Yeah, generally, there's not really enough manufacturers that, that measure the footprint of their products and put the data out there. Most of them will be more measuring their organisational footprint, but not of all of the, the parts that they buy in. I'm going to get started with a couple of announcements. One is the person who won the competition. Did everybody, did everybody play? Okay, good. The reason we did it is just to, to kind of give some context to why we fix and why it's important. And go the good news from the competition was that people actually overestimate the carbon footprints of the devices, which is good. It means you respect them and you think that they're real and they have a real impact. But I'm going to give you the real numbers and then I'm going to announce the winner, okay? And the winner was actually a restarter, which isn't a big surprise because I think... The people who fix things have a real concept for the complexity of the devices, what might have gone into the manufacturer. The iPhone 4S has a carbon footprint in manufacture of 55 kilos, which is on the low side for a smartphone. The more recent iPhones have a much higher carbon footprint. So 55 kilos is roughly equivalent to five weeks of five-minute hot showers. And we also discount how important our hot showers are. The next one is the netbook. It's a bigger device, right? It has lots of circuit boards, chips, parts, which are complex and require 
a lot of manufacturers. So that device, we estimate after having done lots of research, the average netbook has the carbon footprint of 142 kilos, three months of hot five-minute showers, three years of two cups of tea with milk per day, two-thirds of a bicycle. And the computer speakers have a carbon footprint of 18.8 kilos. So they're a simpler device. They require less, which is roughly six months of two cups of tea, computer speakers. And the person that came closest was, drum roll, Andrew. (laughs) Who's in fact still repairing. Yes, I know, he's still repairing. The only restarter who didn't stop repairing. The second prize winner was David, also a restarter. Yay! And if you would like more information, we're going to be releasing a tool that helps model the impact of all of our repairing. So at the end of an event, you'll be able to see the collective impact of extending the life of devices together. And if we scale this, it will actually have a really big impact. So... Climate change is not just cycling or buying from the farmer's market. It's actually using the gadgets we have for longer and making an impact that way. So you are making an impact by using things for longer. Since making this episode, I find that when I'm sat in front of my laptop talking into my microphone like I am now, or if I'm checking my Twitter feed on my phone, I start to imagine the amount of carbon, water and other resources that might have gone into making them. Making these podcasts is certainly changing the way that I think about the things that I use. Today's restart party is over, so it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Bye, everybody.